Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, the Congressional Budget Office, the scorekeepers, the group that's supposed to make you show your math when you're doing government work, uh, they've actually scored the Biden administration's student debt relief program. And the price tag for the American taxpayers is pretty hefty. It's roughly $400 billion. $400 billion. It doesn't include some things that I think actually push the cost up closer to $500 billion. Yes, that is half a trillion. Uh, so we wanted to look at what are some of the unseen costs that the CBO score isn't including. Uh, and is this debate over that amount really keeping us a safe distance from having the more important conversation about reform in higher education and outcomes so that we're not doing this drill all over again. To help us break all of that down, Preston Cooper is a research fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunities, also a contributor to the Wall Street Journal, uh, and actually had a great piece in the Wall Street Journal talking about the student loan forgiveness program and uh, how we actually need to get to the reform portion of that. But Preston, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me back. Let's uh, let's dive in here. Uh, we've talked a lot about kind of the big broad brush of ten, between 10000 and 20000 in, in federal student loans. Uh, now we know sort of what it's going to cost, but tell us what it's really going to cost. Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, the Congressional Budget Office, which is the uh, independent nonpartisan budget scorekeeper for Congress, uh, they came out with a score yesterday that says uh, that Biden's student loan forgiveness plan is going to cost about $400 billion. That's about uh, $1,200 for every man, woman, and child in America. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, that is not even probably the half of it. You know, there are costs in that um, it, that the student loan uh, uh, people, you know, the, uh, the, the Congressional Budget Office did not take into account when they were doing that score. They uh, did not include the costs of Biden's expansion of income-based repayments. Basically, Biden is going to cut payments in half or more for student loan borrowers moving forward. Uh, that could add an extra $500 billion. They did not also include uh, the effects that this, 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 this uh, decision is going to have on future borrowing. You know, if uh, students think that, hey, maybe I can get loans forgiven if I take out federal student loans, uh, colleges will think, hey, you know, Biden's going to forgive loans again. Maybe we should raise our tuition. Uh, they also did not take into account those dynamic effects on borrowing in the future. And so other uh, independent scorekeepers like the Penn Wharton budget model have considered what this might cost. And they think the cost might be closer to a trillion dollars. Wow. Uh, that's a that's a whole lot of money. And we got to look at the uh, the outcomes. We have to look at why uh, the cost of higher education has been rising at such an exponential rate. And what are the outcomes? What is it actually producing? One of the things I was curious if you have the answer for, Preston, uh, and that is, do we know how much in new student loan is likely to be created in 2023? So come January and you've got that next round of students going, do we know what the government kind of sets aside regularly uh, in new student loans? 
Yeah, so the government makes about $85 billion in new student loans uh, every single year, and that number is going up. So over the course of the next decade, uh, the government is probably going to make uh, $1 trillion in new student loans. Um, and this is really troubling because the uh, Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget has estimated that, you know, even after Biden forgives uh, $400 billion worth of student loans, we're making out so many new loans that the outstanding stock of student debt is going to be back up to where it is today in just about five years. So this is really a band-aid. It's really just kicking the can down the road. And we're not going to actually solve this student loan problem in the long run unless we actually undertake some more fundamental reforms to the program, limit new borrowing, uh, limit loans to only to programs that are showing a return on investment for their graduates and where graduates are able to actually pay back their debt, because that's really the root of the problem. When the education that is being financed does not justify the debt, then you have a student loan crisis. And I just want to repeat what you just said there, Preston, because I think it's so important for us to recognize uh, in this one failed swoop, again, it will be, $400 $400 billion to a trillion uh, that, that is going to cost us. And some of those students are going to be very happy that they're just wiped out. But then starting in January, in, in the next year, we're going to add $85 billion in brand new student loan debt. Uh, and as Preston said, within five years, we are going to be at exactly the same spot we are right now. And my guess is it won't even take five years. And we're going to have another big group of students who are going to say, hey, uh, you know, I got my loan just after the forgiveness program, but I want forgiveness too. Uh, and I've graduated now and I'm carrying a big a big load of debt. Uh, and I, I think that is such a big part of the problem. Uh, as you look at it, Preston, you've been writing about this. Uh, what is the conversation we should be having uh, as it relates to, to where we really are with higher education? Well, I think that both Republicans and Democrats are kind of in agreement that the federal student loan program is a disaster. I think that there's a lot of disagreement about what to do about it. But I think the conversation we really need to be having is how do we fix this going forward? You know, how do we make sure that student debt, you know, is is used as an investment that finances, you know, real improvements in people's earnings potential and that it doesn't just uh, bury people under a mountain of loans. And so I think what we need to do is we need to talk about, you know, instead of having the federal government make so many of the loans because the federal government has proven it's not very good at this. Uh, where can we have the private sector pick up some of the slack? I think that, uh, you know, in the graduate lending market uh, in particular, uh, the private sector can pick up some of the slack there. They're probably going to be better about making sure they're only going to lend to programs where students are actually going to be able to pay back their loans. And for any federal student loans that do remain, I think we have to say to colleges, you know, if you want to participate in this federal student loan program, you're going to have to be responsible for, uh, your students' outcomes. Uh, If students are not able to repay their loans, you, the college, should be responsible for part of that balance that goes unrepaid. And this is going to align incentives between students and colleges. So colleges will say, hey, you know, we're going to face a pretty big bill from Uncle Sam unless uh, our students are able to actually graduate, get good paying jobs, get, you know, marketable skills that will enable them to, uh, to reach the middle class and pay back their loans on time. You know, if we don't do that, if we don't, uh, uh, fix the incentives so that uh, student debt only goes to finance good education, uh, we're not going to solve this problem. Yeah, and that was one of the piece, uh, things that I loved most about your piece in the Wall Street Journal was especially that undergraduate level uh, calling out and saying, hey, Congress should make colleges financially responsible for at least a portion uh, of that unpaid federal loan. Uh, 
Uh, and again, where we have some universities that are sitting on billions of dollars in endowments, uh, surely they could be able to set aside some for that repayment if they're not helping their students uh, get the get the right result. Definitely. You know, I mean, endowments are one of the biggest, you know, tax exempt assets that we have out there. You know, I, I have very little sympathy for the universities at this point. They're pretty flush with cash. You know, if you look at the uh, international data, the average American university spends far more for students than universities in Europe do. You know, mm. one of my favorite uh, statistics to cite that is if we cut our university's budgets down to German levels, we could have free college without spending anything more than we do today. <laughs> oh, I love that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah, so we really need to align costs with value. That's the only way we're going to solve this. Yeah, absolutely. Preston Cooper, research fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. He's a contributor for the Wall Street Journal. It's a great piece up there today. Preston, always great to have you on the program. Appreciate your perspective. Thanks very much. All right. Uh, I think Preston's uh, right on uh, in terms of some of these core things that we need to be looking at when it comes to student loans. Uh, and anyone who thinks that this is solving a problem uh, it, it simply is not solving a problem. We will be at the same place with the same number of students carrying the same amount of debt in five years, I say four, as we are today because we're not fixing the problem. We're just throwing cash. Cash covers a multitude of problems. It doesn't fix them. We've got to do that with higher education. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll break for top of the hour news. When we come back, hour number two, stick around. On KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas in the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.